And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you, journalist turned psychologist. Dr. Lori Nadell is on the front lines of disaster mental health. She's been dealing with a Sunday night support program online for long haulers. The 30% of the COVID patients who develop severe neurological and cardiac conditions after surviving the acute respiratory infection stage. After 20 years of working in television news, she saw that people whose lives were shattered by breaking news events would need targeted support. Returning to school to become a psychologist, she has been on the front lines of mental health issues after 9-11, Hurricane Sandy, the Parkland school shooting, and the current pandemic that we had a few years ago that still seems to be lingering around. Lori Nadell, back on Coast to Coast. Hey, Doc, how are you? Hey, how are you, George? Thank you so much for having me on the show. You ready for a great 2024? Um well, I'm ready for an interesting 2024. What is it the Chinese say? May you may you live in interesting times, right? They are interesting times, aren't they? Yeah. Why do they seem to go by so fast? Uh, they seem to go by more quickly as uh, as as time rolls on, right? Well, they sure do. They yeah. sure do. Now, you've adjusted your focus a little bit. You're concentrating on animals and pet owners. Tell me about That's this. Right. Yes, well, um, I've actually been working with uh, a- animals and pet owners uh, over, off and on for 20 years, uh, not not as much as I've been working with people. Right. And uh, over the last uh, couple of years, I've been shifting, doing more training, doing more studying, and um, really focusing on developing uh, animal Reiki and working with uh, pet owners who have to deal with the very painful, difficult decisions uh, at end of, of end of end of a pet's end of a pet's life. And um, so that's uh, that's really where I'm focusing my energy now. Those are not easy decisions to make either. As no. a pet owner, no. I've been there before. It's not fun. Our, our animals, um, you know, for many of us, probably myself included, our relationship with our animals is a, is a very personal, very deep. For some of us, it's the most intense and most intimate relationship that we have. And And people who don't have animals or, or don't, love animals, don't understand um, that it's not just a dog, it's not just a cat or just a bunny. It's a being who shares his or her life with you. And uh, whatever we can do and whatever whatever I can do, whatever my uh, helpers can do to help an animal to, who's in distress or pain to feel more comfortable, um, to help an owner to feel more comfortable, uh, knowing that... Uh, you know, his or her animal is, is feeling better, is more relaxed, more peaceful. Um, I think that's a wonderful thing. Lori, how do you know that an animal is distressed? Well, we can, you know, I, I think anybody, can, you know your animal, you can watch the animal's breathing. Um, sometimes they'll growl, they, uh, they'll flinch, they won't want to be uh, touched. Um, they'll... Um, they may have repetitive behaviors. They may, for example, a cat or a dog may start grooming themselves excessively, um, or they may just be kind of hyper. You know, I'm sure that we've all met, you know, cats or dogs that were jumpy, that barked or, or kind of nipped or uh, hissed. Uh, the same way that people show that we're stressed. Animals show that they're stressed. Well, that's true, too. And the, the person, the owner, how do you deal with them, too? And then explain well, what Reiki is. Well, let, let me just say that, it, you know, it's, it's funny that you ask that because it, it's, um, uh, you know, I guess I'd have to say that, you know, 
so many, 30-something, 34 years of working in the field of psychotherapy with people who are, are traumatized, who've been traumatized, has really, um, you know, helped me to be able to sit with people and understand how upsetting and heartbreaking it is when an animal is, is having an issue because we feel helpless as a pet owner, you know, just as we often feel helpless as a parent. Um, Reiki is very interesting. It, it is, um, we think of Reiki as a hands-on treatment. You know, if, if you've ever been to a Reiki therapist or Reiki healer, you lie on a massage table and the uh, therapist uses certain traditional hand positions to transmit energy. Reiki means universal life energy, and it is a force of uh, kind of a frequency, I guess I would say, of healing energy in the universe that's available to all of us. And um, you can you can receive Reiki as um, uh, as a practitioner. You can receive Reiki so that you can transmit it or offer it to somebody uh, who is in pain or who's in in trying to heal from um, an accident or from surgery or from an illness. Um, or Reiki is also available and, and, and even more powerful when it's offered through meditation. And that's really one of the secrets of Reiki is that we can offer or extend um, an opportunity to an animal in distress to receive Reiki through very specific forms of meditation that really have been developed to uh, connect with animals. Will you continue doing what you've been doing in the past in addition to the animal work, or are um, you going yeah. to be exclusive with the animals? It's a, it's a great question. I, I think I'll always be available to work with people, uh, but I, I really do love, I love working with animals um, and, and, their, and their human families. Um, I think the secret for me is that um, animals are very healing for me. Um, especially, you know, these times we're living in such a fragmented, um, I guess, you know, fractious people are, everybody I think has uh, PTSD from, secondary PTSD from just looking at, at images of the news, uh, whether you watch them on purpose or whether they're just kind of, you know, passing by on your phone at uh, some point or other during the day. And you know, it's very healing to be present with an animal. animal animals bring something um, that is unique and uh, and and very um, it's something very prescient about sitting with an animal, whether it's in person or whether it's at a distance. And the feedback that I get from um, the an uh, animal's human parent uh, or companion is that even though I may be sitting in in another country. Uh, even though I may be offering meditation from another city or from another state, um, they will let me know how the animal responded during that medita- meditation and after the meditation. So it really is a very pure form of energy healing. Was there was there was there an animal episode, Lori, that got you involved in this area? Well, it's, it's funny. Um, <laughs> I think it was a, it's about. I guess it was almost, a, I don't know, it'd be more than, than uh, 20 years ago, um, I had a dream. And in the dream, I was shown that I would be working with animals. And I, I have a, a guide that speaks to me in dreams and has been speaking to me in dreams for most of my life. And 
uh, this guide said to me, you know, animal Reiki, you, you, you learn, learn to be a, a Reiki master so that you can help animals. And I had uh, studied Reiki. I had my first and second degree Reiki uh, training when I was pregnant with my daughter. That was back in 1985 uh, because Reiki was very new at that time. But I'd heard that uh, it was wonderful for colicky babies, which in fact it is, and that it would also be very useful during labor and delivery, which it was. And um, I hadn't really pursued it very much because I had a very active career um, in journalism at the time. Um, But in 2002, um, I was just starting to work with uh, people who were recovering from having witnessed or having survived or having lost somebody in September 11th. And so this dream kind of came out of nowhere. But um, I did pursue becoming a Reiki master, and um, from time to time, somebody would ask me if I could uh, help them with one of their animals, um, cats, dogs, horses, um, iguanas. And one of the first experiences that I had uh, offering Reiki was um, a woman who worked in a pet store asked me, I put, I put business cards out, and she asked me if I could come help um, a baby iguana that had been abused. And um, I walked into the pet store and I put my hand over the top of the iguana's cage and the little lizard climbed all the way up to the top shelf and stuck his neck up as though he was sunbathing (laughs) and, you know, kind of rolled over a little bit and had this big smile on his face. And I thought, wow, that's really amazing. With those big eyes, right? Yeah. (laughs) And then every, every Sunday I would go in to sit with the iguana and the pet owner would say that as soon as... I got to the door, the iguana would climb up to the top shelf and would be waiting for me when I walked into the store. And that kind of blew me away. So a few years later, I went uh, to a Reiki training at an animal, a wild animal refuge in Florida called the Care Foundation in Apopka. They take in and they they work with uh, wild animals, exotic animals, animals that have been uh, picked up by the Fish and Wildlife uh, Society, uh, animals that have been abandoned or animals that have aged out of uh, performing situations in zoos or circuses. And um, I, I was sitting with a, uh, a Florida, what is it, a Florida panther, big black, beautiful animal named Makoto. And Makoto had a very bad respiratory infection, and he was wheezing and growling and apparently he'd been in a very bad mood uh, and uh, started doing the uh, Reiki breathing and just sitting calmly and doing the meditation. And all of a sudden, he took a deep breath and he let out his breath and his whole body relaxed and he started breathing normally. And then he rolled over on his back and he started purring and flexing his paws like a kitten. And I was absolutely, I was absolutely amazed, and it was life changing for me. And I thought, this is really, I, I, what an amazing experience to be able to connect nonverbally, energetically, at a soul level with an animal, a huge, wild, uh, magnificent animal, and to be able to get into that kind of healing rapport, that his breathing relaxed, and he completely relaxed and began purring like a kitten. It was amazing. When you started doing that kind of work, did you notice a change in the owner, the human? 
Well, at the uh, Care Foundation, I mean, there are all the people that that worked at the foundation. I didn't notice any particular change in anybody. But what what I did find is that the and, and I found this, you know, consistently is that there's there's a reassurance that an animal's uh, human or owner will feel um, because they know that that their animal is responding and is is shifting from being stressed or being in pain or being uh you know being irritable not being able to eat not being able to sleep suddenly there's a shift and the animal is relaxed and is starting to um you know um eat or drink or or receive um you know attention in a way that's more comfortable that is remarkable and you just started getting into this or you've been doing it for years now uh, I've been doing it now um, since about, well, the, the experience I had with the panther, that was in two, 2011, 2011. And I've been working with animals, um, but I said not full-time, pretty much since then. Um, I've had um, several Reiki, animal Reiki uh, websites, and the one that we have now is called animalreikiplanet.com. And um, you can go to Animal Reiki Planet, and uh, we have a telephone number now where you can text me and send me an image, a picture of the animal in distress, and um, I'll get back to you and see if I can sit and offer um, offer Reiki and see um, if that's very calming. All of the feedback that I've gotten, and we do have some amazing testimonials on the website, you'll see that... Uh, very, it, it, it gets the owners, uh, gives a, I don't want to say an owner, because I don't think that we own animals. I think they uh, give us the privilege of letting us live with them, because really it, animals heal us. That's what I think is the great secret for me about doing this work, is an, and to be with an animal is very healing. And you prefer people text you a picture of the animal? You can text me a picture with a little with the animal's name and a little bit of uh, description of um, what's going on, and um, and then I'll I'll get back to you and uh, over the next few days and see if I can sit and offer Reiki and you can let me know. Then um, there's also a contact form on the on the uh, website. Uh, if you'd like to sign up for my newsletter, um, I'll also be doing a Zoom free animal Reiki session sometime in the next few weeks. So if you'd like to fill out the contact form and just write, you know, email um, in the subject line, I'll add your name to my email list. This is uh, kind of a new thing for me. You want me to give out the text phone number? Um, sure. It's, uh, the, the text phone number, do you have it, I think? is. I have it. It is 305-778-1772, which I assume you also have on your website, right? Uh, yes, it is on the website, and uh, there is a contact form on the website as well. And um, you can also send, send uh, a picture and a description of what's going on. You can email me at animalreikiplanet at gmail.com and send me a picture, and um, I'll see when I can uh, sit with the animal. I had a very interesting um, conversation with a friend of mine who lives in Istanbul. This was a couple of years ago. She had a cat. Uh, that she adored, and the cat had been very sick, and the vet had told her there was nothing more they could do. The cat had had liver damage. And um, so I asked her, would you like me to see if I could um, sit with the cat and see what happens? And sometimes the the amazing thing to me is that very often in this this very quiet stillness that I have to go into to 
connect with an animal and you're really connecting with the essence or the soul uh, or the energy of, of an animal, um, sometimes I'll get a message. And in this case, the cat spoke to me and said that uh, through images and um, a few words, teased out a few little words, uh, the cat said that she was a fighter and that she loved uh, her human very much and that she was going to fight to, to live. And that cat lived for a year and a half. Wow. Or else they would have put it down had you not gotten involved. Right. They would have had to put it down because they would, that was the vet said there was nothing more that they could do. But, you know, sometimes, and, and, and Reiki is not a substitute for um, taking your animal to a veterinarian or getting the right uh, medication, getting the right information. But sometimes, you know, just like with people and doctors, right? I mean, nothing works all the time for everybody. And not, uh, not surgery, not aspirin. And uh, sometimes we, we, we really need, or an animal just needs uh, something that's going to connect energetically and, and facilitate his or her own natural healing response. And that's really important thing. I don't heal anybody. I don't do anything. All I can do is go into this kind of, I, I call it the, the lake of stillness. In order to offer Reiki, in order to be Reiki, my mind has to be very calm and very still. And, and to an animal, it, it, it kind of, I think it, it feels like being invited to come to a lake of fresh water. And, and maybe an animal wants to drink, and maybe an animal doesn't want to drink, because it's really up to the animal to choose. Sometimes an animal will say, no, I don't know, leave me alone. I don't know you. My friend had a horse, and she asked me if I could, um, you know, there's a, there's sometimes people will say, do you send Reiki? And, and we don't send Reiki. It's not like doing hands-on Reiki. Right. We really just kind of create uh, an offering of a state of stillness. And um, so I went into that state, and I asked her horse through meditation, would you like to receive Reiki? And the horse said, no, I don't know you. Go away. No, I don't know you. Go away. Yeah. Yeah, the horse was very, horses are very vocal during Reiki. I must say they're very communicative and um, very expressive. And um, so my friend called me and she said, you know, well, how was Lizzie? How did she like Reiki? And I said, well, she told me she didn't want Reiki. She said she didn't know me and I should go away. Hold on, Lori. We're at a break. We'll come back and finish that story next. And welcome back to George Norrie with Dr. Lori Nadell. Lori, tell us about the horse that rejected your advice. Yeah, so the, the horse said, uh, yes, didn't, didn't want Reiki. Uh, don't, I don't know you. Go away. And my friend just started laughing, and she said, oh, that sounds just like Lizzie. Yeah, she, she knew that that was an authentic response from her horse. She knew her horse. She knew her horse, and and the horse was very very uh, blunt. I guess is the word I would I would use. Um, I had another experience with a with a horse. Uh, my publisher, uh, uh, HCI Books, uh, published my last book, The Five Gifts, and uh, I was talking to him. He owns a, a number of race horses, and um, I asked him if if there were any horses that uh, might want to uh, receive. He might want to receive Reiki. And he gave me the name of uh, one of his horses that had won uh, a couple of big purses. But ever since then, um, 
the horse would start off okay, and about a third of the way around the track, the horse would stop and just walk off, just walk off the track, just just stop and walk away. Hmm. And the jockeys could not get this horse to complete running around the track. So um, I started offering Reiki, and um, the horse showed me that he there was something going on with his peripheral vision, and that. It, it was very difficult for him to to tell to manage um, distance perception. So he couldn't tell how close or how far away uh, the other horses were when he came around the curve, and that it was disorienting for him. And so he had to stop. And he said he was very disappointed in himself um, that he would keep trying. And so I passed that information on. And I said, I don't know if there's any way you can, you know, are there ophthalmologists for horses? I don't know how they could possibly check for that or test that. Um, but my boss, you know, my publisher said, well, you know, keep trying. And uh, I would communicate with, uh, I would offer Reiki to, to the horse, Unionizer. And um, Unionizer kept saying, I really want to, you know, I really want to run and I really want to race. And I really want to win again. Um, and uh, I watched him one day after he had told me he was really ready to go race, and a third uh, was sitting in an OTB uh, parlor, and about a third of the way around the, the uh, third of the way around the track, the horse he just stopped, and he walked off. Jeez, and, that's unheard of. Yeah, and so at that point, uh, my boss called me and he said, "Listen, uh, you need to tell this horse." He said that uh, he needs. We, we we've invested a lot in him, and we need him to be a leader uh, and, and inspire the other horses, the younger horses. And you need to tell him that. And I couldn't exactly say to him that that's you know I don't want to be rude. I don't say hey that's not my job. My yeah. job is to offer the horse Reiki, and the horse can accept it or not accept it. And if if I'm blessed by having the horse trust me enough to give me information or impressions, uh, then I'm happy to pass on that message. But uh, when I sat with Unionizer again one, one or two more times, he said, I really feel like a failure. I, I'm, I'm so disappointed. I need, I need to retire. I can't do this anymore. And um, the last time I checked in uh, with my boss, he said that, in fact, they had decided to retire Unionizer. And uh, so he's now. I think they're the, he's. Um, they have him in a different uh, different part of the pasture, but uh, they do. They have kept him, and I think they're they're using him for breeding. But uh, he he doesn't. He's not racing anymore. But see, what what I found interesting was that the horse was telling me that he knew something was wrong. He knew that his balance was off. He knew that he would feel disoriented, and you know that the noise. And I don't know if you've ever had a peripheral uh, vision uh, problem, especially when you're driving, because uh, I had one for a couple of years. No, I thank, to stop, thank I had to God, stop I driving haven't. at night because I couldn't tell. The lights were flashing, and I couldn't. I couldn't tell anything that was happening on the left side of the car. You know, the driver's side of the car. So I could really empathize with you know what the horse was describing. But again, even with humans, I mean, it's a very hard thing to diagnose and it's a very hard thing to treat. But the horse was telling me exactly what he was experiencing and emotionally as well as um, physically. And uh, it was very, um, what can I say, it was very uh, frustrating for me uh, that I wasn't able to 
offer him Reiki that was going to fix the situation. Um, it was also very frustrating for me that my boss seemed to think that it was my job to give the, give his horse instructions. I mean, that's not something that uh, Reiki is designed to do, right. and nor do I think it's my place to tell you know anyone, whether it's a person or whether it's an animal, what I think is best for them. And the school of Reiki that I'm trained in... If you did, every racetrack would have you there. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, fortunately for, or fortunately for the horses, um, they know better than we do, as, as all animals know better than we do what they need in order to heal. And that's the real gift of... Uh, it's, it's called the let animals lead a method of Reiki, because the animal has to... Uh, the animal animals know animals know when they're getting ready to pass. Animals know uh, when they're going to uh, when they're when they're getting to the end of their journey. Um, animals are very sensitive to what we're going through, and um, they they um, they don't need us to fix to fix them. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. You know, they 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 don't they don't need a Reiki practitioner like myself to sit down and say, okay, um, now I'm going to send Lizzie the horse Reiki because mm-hmm. her, uh, her human wants me to fix her and send her Reiki. doesn't work that way. And, and I think the beauty of this particular approach is that an animal is a sentient being who has consciousness and who has the right to make the choice to either say, yes, I want to move towards this unconditional kindness and stillness that's being offered to me. Or I'm not in the mood, or I don't think this is going to, doesn't feel right for me. My grandmother used to own cats, Lori. Ah. And uh, it seems like whenever they got to an older age, 19, 20 years old, close to the time they're going to die, they would take off. They would escape. They would leave. Mm. And these were cats that would go out and come back, go out, come back. Well, they never came back. And we we always thought that they knew they were going to die. Yeah. And they went off someplace and passed away. Well, I think that cats are basically wild animals that we've domesticated, and especially cats that are outdoor cats. I've had that happen a couple of times where the cat was uh, was just it was their time. And uh, there was one cat. In fact, I was I was I let him out in the morning with the other two cats that I had, and I was planning on calling the the veterinarian. You know that 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 afternoon when he came back, he never came back. So um, he didn't have any symptoms. He was eating normally, but he'd gotten very, very, very thin. And I realized that, uh, you know, he needed, to get, he needed to get checked out. But I guess, you know, he must have picked up that I was planning on taking him to the doctor. And he thought, yeah, I'm not going. <laughs> so uh, he just took off, and uh, it was his time. And some animals know, you know, that they, they, they actually, I had one animal that I, I, was, uh, I was sitting with, with Reiki, and he told me that he knew that his time was coming and that he wanted to, um, how he put it, he said he wanted to face into it like his feline ancestors. He had a very, he had a, like a very strong, noble kind of presence to him. So he, he, he wasn't afraid. And he wanted to die with courage and presence. Very inspiring. It is remarkable to be sure. What is the let animals lead method? 
Lead animals need method was um, developed, I guess, um, I don't know the word, it's not invented, but it was kind of a, it, it evolved uh, from the work that a young uh, Reiki, animal Reiki practitioner had been doing with animals. Her name is Kathleen Persad. Uh, she's based in California, and she has really been um, as the founder of the Let Animals Lead Method. And, and, and what this method is, is that you know, our, our job as Reiki practitioners is to, again, to sit in a, in a real place of stillness and to offer um, an animal unconditional kindness and reassurance and safety and, uh, and love. And just, you know, to, in, for an animal or for a person, just to know that somebody somewhere is thinking of them uh, with that unconditional kindness can really be remarkable. And you, uh, You've I, done a lot of work in the area of precognitive dreams, too, haven't you? Yes, yes, I have. Tell me about that. How did that well, start? I've had precognitive dreams. Um, I started having them when I was about 11 years old. And uh, I really believe that we all have the ability. Uh, I think, you know, uh, Ryan, Dr. Ryan, who did this study. J.B. Uh, Ryan, yeah. J.B. Ryan with the Ryan Deck, one of the first controlled studies of uh, ESP. Uh, they did studies on precognitive dreams, and they found that uh, uh, so many of us have them. And in many other cultures and societies around the world, um, it's considered a normal part of life. So when you have a precognitive dream, um, it's important to talk about it with somebody who will validate that the dream has a message. And, of course, we don't know um, until the event in our waking life reveals itself that that's what the dream was telling us about. I've had dreams about people that I haven't met yet and that I meet them within two weeks usually. Um, I've had dreams about um, things that were going to happen in my family. Um, I, I had a dream, actually the first precognitive dream I had was about a pet. I had a pet parakeet, and in this dream, the, the bird was lying dead um, at the bottom of, of his cage. And a few days later, my grandparents were bringing my pet bird back from uh, upstate New York. And as soon as the car arrived, I ran out and there was the bird lying dead at the bottom of the cage. Oh, and I don't know whether I was more upset. You know, I, of course, I was horrified that the bird was dead, but what absolutely, completely freaked me out was the fact that I had dreamt that exact scene a few nights earlier. There you go. Very scary for a child. Absolutely. Yeah, but it stuck with you, didn't it? Yes, it did. And then when I went on to write... My book, Sixth Sense, we have several chapters on dreaming and precognitive dreaming, um, because I think that, you know, very often we have this ability as children, but then, you know, we, we, it gets, um, we get shamed for it, or we, we, it gets poo-pooed, or we, we're ostracized, or we t we're told that, uh, oh, that wasn't really a precognitive, you know, you, you couldn't possibly know that from a dream, or my favorite, you know, my favorite demeaning um, put down is, well, it was just a dream. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Dreams are very important. You know, we spend so much of our life asleep and we receive all kinds of messages in dreams, both from our inner self and from, um, from spirits, from entities, from animals. 
and from higher beings. We, many people have guides and angels who appear to them in dreams. They are par- powerful tools, aren't they? Absolutely. And I think it's really important, you know, to uh, journal and to write down. If you can't write down the entire dream, then I always ask people, especially if I'm, I'm working one-on-one with somebody, take note of your dreams. When you wake up, write down the first two or three words that come to you when you wake up, because then we'll be able to kind of tease it out and discover what was what is the real message of the dream. What is it? What is it? Uh, what is what is it bringing to you in terms of a message uh, for growth or for guidance or even um, you know can can be a dream about something that hasn't happened yet something that's to, that will be revealed? Why are some people better dreamers than others? You know, I certainly think that it's genetic. I really think that a lot of our um, just as some people are very gifted in mathematical ability. Uh, musical ability. Some people are innately intuitive, and 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 dreaming is um, it's it's one way in which our intuition signals us. You know, intuition or our sixth sense it functions like a satellite dish in the brain, and it's able to pick up impressions. Some of the impressions may be um, from sources that we don't understand. It could be um, it could be entities. It could be intelligences. It, could, it also could be messages from our own um, unconscious or subconscious. And the ability to um, to the ability to receive um, guidance in a dream that helps to give us a sense of direction and purpose. Some people just have a natural facility for that. It's it's like artistic ability or musical ability or mathematical ability. Lori, what is your take on the collective consciousness? Well, I, 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 it's funny you should ask that. I think our collective consciousness in this country is, is wounded. Um, and it's, it's, it's been wounded. not the most profound statement ever made, but, you know, we really, we, we, we've become such a fraction, fraction, fraction fractionated, fragmented um, Society, collective consciousness, we're turning against. It's like our collective consciousness is at war with itself. And um, it, it's, it's actually very sad to see what's happened to it. I, I think that we do have a, well, obviously, I'm not the only one. Carl Jung believed that we have collective consciousness and that it contains archetypes, universal symbols, um, myths, um, and, you know, of course, now we have, we're being bombarded with memes. And uh, you know, viral images and things that kind of spread uh, very, very quickly and affect people, affect millions of people, right? Absolutely. Wow. Oh. And it's tr- it is dramatic to be sure. Yeah. We're going to take calls next hour with Lori Nadell, and uh, her websites are linked up at coasttocoastam.com. She's got one especially for the animals called animalreikiplanet.com. And you can text her a picture of the animal for her to do a little legwork for you to 305-778-1772. Thank you. What is the most gratifying aspect of working with animals for you? I feel it's a privilege to be um, for an animal to, to trust me, for an animal to, um, to feel uh, comforted, by um, anything that I anything that I might be able to share or offer, 
And I think that the, the big secret for me about doing this work is that really animals heal me, and I'm the one who receives the healing. So that's really the great, the great gift and the great blessing. That's interesting. Okay, Laurie, we're going to take a short break at the top of the hour and come back and take some phone calls with you. Dr. Laurie Nadell with us. You know what the subject is. And we'll be back in a moment on Coast to Coast AM. Don't touch your dial and don't forget, go to her websites often and look at some of the works that she has done. 